You're listening to Accounting Matters, an accounting podcast powered by Embark about accounting matters, because accounting matters. Today's episode is part one of a four-part mini-series covering ESG, or another way to talk about how companies report on their social responsibility. This is a hot topic and top of mind, so today's episode will serve as our introduction to the topic. Then episode two will cover the E or the environmental requirements. And then episode four will cover the S and G or the social and governance. For this series, we're bringing in members from our team who've worked on ESG implementations out in the field. And they're bringing what they've learned to the table for all of you to learn from their experience. We hope you enjoy this episode and learn something new. This is Sarah Cage Richter, and as always, I'm joined by the Encyclopedia of Accounting, Mr. Adam Olson, Embark's Accounting Advisory Practice Leader. And our guests today are Fabian Garavito, a Senior Manager from Houston, Texas, and making his second Accounting Matters appearance, Robbie Sunberg, a Senior Director from Dallas, Texas. Welcome, guys. Thank you. Thanks. Glad to be here. So we just wrapped up our IPO mini-series, which was a five-episode arc through the entire IPO process. And today we are going to kick off a new mini-series around another hot topic, ESG. Not to be confused with an EKG, although you could say ESG is a type of heart check for corporations. Uh, This episode will serve as an introduction to the concept of ESG, and then we'll dive a little bit deeper into each component in the following episode. So Fabian, let's kick things off with the basics. For those who may not have kept up with this and all the buzz going on, Can you tell us what exactly is ESG? Sure, happy to. So ESG stands for Environmental, Social, and Governance. And it really relates to the three key topics that are relevant and uh, for investors today. Um, Environmental really deals with climate change, uh, emissions, things of the sort. Uh, Social deals with concerns around inclusion, diversity, and equity. And then governance deals more with the overall management of the company, uh, their policies and procedures. And one thing I want to note is that these uh, key topics are something that investors, regulators, uh, capital markets, and other stakeholders in the landscape are interested in. So ESG is a relatively new concept that has just taken off? No, so it's not. So ESG, although it's a very hot topic today, uh, it's not a new subject by any means. Uh, It's really a continuation of the already existing uh, corporate social responsibility concept that has been around for a long time. Now, ESG focuses on encouraging companies to incorporate sustainable business practices into their business and then just be all around more sustainable organizations. Uh, ESG also aims to provide consistent and transparent data to investors so they can make better investment decisions. Now, to provide this data, one of the key areas that ESG tries to do is to establish a measurement system for uh, the company's uh, social responsibility, which is based around setting up data metrics, right? This can be data metrics for the environmental side, data metrics for the uh, governance side, or for the social side. And I want to note that this is important because stakeholders are interested in seeing how companies are utilizing these data metrics to assess risk to manage that risk and to mitigate that risk, as well as to utilize those for other internal decision-making that's going to lead to long-term value creation. So if this isn't a new concept, what's making it such an important topic? Why do I keep hearing about it constantly? Yeah, so uh, 
for our audience, I suspect that if they're listening to this podcast, um, they already have some level of understanding of, of its importance. But I still think it's a helpful discussion to kind of unpack a little bit some of the reasons for uh, for its importance. So first up, uh, and this is something that our audience may have heard a little bit about, but stakeholders are demanding it, right? And so um, stakeholders means a lot of different things. Um, so we'll kind of talk maybe a little bit about each of those. Um, so. First, stakeholders um, includes investors and shareholders. Um, so increasingly institutional investors in particular, um, but also certain funds, other investors uh, will only invest in or certainly will prioritize investment in organizations that um, fo are focused on ESG issues. Um, and so focus on ESG issues and then are transparent about the data points around ESG. Um, and so they want to ensure, these investors want to ensure that the companies that they're investing in uh, are operating in a sustainable manner, that are operating in an ethical manner. Um, and so that focus is really important from an investment decision perspective there. Beyond that, there's also been research uh, that uh, investors are acutely aware of that shows that a strong ESG focus um, also oftentimes results in uh, strong financial performance. And so uh, yeah. that relationship, um, of course, very important to investors as well. So um, another stakeholder that's, that's really important uh, is regulatory bodies um, mm -hmm. that are out there. So um, from an environmental perspective, the EPA, for example, um, has some ESG environmental specific um, kind of requirements um, that they've put out. Uh, from an SEC perspective, uh, some limited um, SEC requirements as well, specifically at this point kind of around um, human capital and some of those um, disclosure requirements that exist there. And more to come certainly from the SEC as well, as we as we all know. So we think about outside of the US, um, there's even more focus. They're a little bit further along for the most part outside of the US. And so uh, even additional requirements from a regulatory perspective when we think outside of the US. Another stakeholder group uh, that's demanding ESG uh, information, uh, ESG engagement, uh, are employees, um, as well as suppliers and customers, uh, others uh, kind of involved in your value chain. Um, and so oftentimes, especially when we think about private companies, um, oftentimes the first time they really get engaged on ESG issues or start to see that there's a demand for ESG related information um, is when it comes in the form of their customers demanding that information from them. So their customers uh, are, have their own ESG initiatives, their own ESG disclosures that they're looking to pull together, uh, other related needs around ESG. Um, and so they'll oftentimes demand that information as well. Um, so we'll talk about this more when we talk in a future episode around environmental issues um, as it relates to ESG. Um, but we start getting into scope three emissions and things like that, the whole value chain really comes into view. And so, um, so that's a common demand um, from your customers. So that's uh, just another example of a stakeholder. Uh, employees is another stakeholder that I mentioned earlier. Um, so a focus on ESG, uh, focus on ESG initiatives has a significant impact for companies when it comes to uh, employee engagement, attracting employees, um, retaining employees. Um, and so really important from, from that perspective as well. Finally, uh, and this is a big one, and it kind of relates to a lot of the things that we've talked about already, um, but a focus on ESG also results in positive impacts from a company profitability perspective. Uh, and that manifests through top line revenue growth, through new opportunities and those sorts of things, um, but also through reduced costs, uh, reduced co cost of capital, um, through green bonds, uh, through social bonds, those sorts of things um, as well. And so. Um, really an important focus from a lot of different perspectives from a lot of different stakeholders. 
So obviously something has changed over the years to bring this top of mind. So Fabian, could you give us maybe a little bit of a history lesson about how we got here? Sure. So as I mentioned earlier, ESG is, is not a new subject by any means. Uh, it's been around, the, the concept of social responsibility has been around for a long time, particularly when we're talking about the environmental piece of this. Uh, and you can trace this concept back over 50 years, right? Three uh, events and movements uh, that can be dated back to the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Uh, just to name a few, uh, for example, the creation of the World Wildlife Fund, uh, the creation of the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency, and different, different government uh, policies aimed at protecting the environment um, and even the world's first Earth Day in 1970 to bring awareness to people about the environmental issues of that time. Now, as time has passed, uh, the focus of companies has expanded to more than just the environmental side, particularly as their stakeholders have also shifted their mindset. Uh, so society has expanded their concerns towards a, a more people-oriented, equity-slash-diversity-conscious mindset, mm -hmm. uh, which include areas that attract and retain customers and employees. Uh, and then with that, we can build out the three Ps of sustainability, which includes people, planet, and profit. So if we look at a kind of like a, a very rough timeline, companies originally were uh, focused a lot on the profit, then we started incorporating the environmental aspects, and now we're heavily focused on the people aspect of this. Uh, and this is important to note because uh, this is going to drive capital allocation, right? Investors and big funds are going to decide where they want to put their money, what companies they want to give access to their capital, and they're going to determine this based on these companies' sustainability. Now, yeah, that's that's really interesting to hear. Um, if we've got companies that are now like moving forward with their you know initial ESG strategies, looking at ESG reporting, I know. There's a lot of different guidance out there that you could kind of lend yourselves to follow. You know, lots of different regulatory bodies, councils, boards have put out mm -hmm. um, different interpretations and, and parameters for companies to follow. Can you help maybe just paint what the current landscape looks like as far as what the rules and regulations are out there for ESG? Yeah, of course. So in, in today's ESG landscape, uh, there's going to be a ton of reporting frameworks and standards that are aimed to regulate and standardize the way companies are reporting around ESG metrics. Uh, some of these include the uh, SASB, the Sustainability Accounting Standards Board, uh, the GRI, the Global Reporting Initiative, the uh, IIRC, the International Integrated Reporting Council, and then the Climate Disclosure Standards Board. These are just four out of a bunch of other ones that are out there, so it's not limited to just this list. Uh, now, with all these frameworks, comes a potentially a very fragmented reporting market yep. because they all have their different requirements. And I do think it's important to say that there are a lot of parallels, but there's also a lot of differences, especially mm -hmm. if they're aimed at different markets or different regulators, right? Uh, as a way to address this and to alleviate this, the IFRS Foundation created the ISSB last year, 2021, the International Sustainability Standards Board. And this was created to help standardize some of the reporting through a consolidation of some of these frameworks. Uh, not only are there frameworks and standards, but there are also ESG reporting or ESG rating agencies uh, that examine a company's sustainability practice. Um, and some of these include Sustainalytics, uh, DJSI, which stands for Dow Jones Sustainability Index, uh, MSCI ESG Research, and then S&P Global. And these are just some of the few. There are others out there that are also quite large. Yeah, so it sounds like you know just a lot of different frameworks, a lot of different guidance and regulations that you can follow. 
Can you talk a little bit about, you know, if someone's looking at maybe which path or which which set of rules or guidance to to follow down for their particular ESG strategy? Like, what are some of the key differences you see between some of the different frameworks that are available? Yeah, so I think the biggest thing to to really think about in terms of the differences is that the different standards, the different frameworks that are out there, they really have different focuses. And Fabian kind of made brief reference to that fact, I think, when he was um, describing the, the different uh, standards that are out there. Um, but just kind of by way of example, so, so SASB, um, the CDSB uh, that Fabian mentioned, uh, also the Task Force on Climate Related Financial Disclosures, uh, the TCFD, uh, more focused on financial uh, stakeholders, right? And so on the other hand, um, you also have GRI, more focused on a broader set of stakeholders. Um, SASB, set largely sector specific. There's 70 plus uh, kind of sector industry specific standards that they've put out. Again, GRI, more topic specific guidance. Um, so again, that very different focus. Uh, the GRI too, kind of moving closer and closer to the kind of sector specific as well as they put out recommendations for specific industries also. Um, but um, but some differences there just in terms of focus um, of the standards. Uh, so that's a common just difference to kind of highlight, and that's largely why there's differences. It's just the different focuses of the different standards. Um, UNPRI, another example. So uh, that's the UN principles on responsible investment. Again, focused on responsible investing. And so again, very different focuses of the different standards. And so that's just really what I'd want to highlight in terms of the different standards is largely that's because they have different focuses. Um, so important thing to keep in mind there. So if a company is trying to figure out, you know, which of those different frameworks to like lean into do you see a lot of people cherry picking between the different frameworks to satisfy if they've got you know you speak a lot to focuses for example so if they've got focuses in different areas and there's different frameworks that provide more guidance you know specific to that focus are they are they kind of cherry picking between the two or how, how does a company figure out who to align with or where to maybe kind of center their esg strategy towards yeah so um so in terms of uh kind of what we see what's most widely used. So the UN, or not the UN, so the GRI um, is the most common reporting framework, ESG reporting framework used worldwide today. In terms of how companies should kind of think about which frameworks to align with, I think largely in terms of a starting point is understanding um, you know, what requirements you might be subject to. So whether from a regulatory perspective, whether from an investor perspective, if you have an investor that's wanting a particular framework, obviously, that's the framework that you align with. So thinking there first, but then moving on to understanding what's the story that I'm trying to tell, who am I trying to communicate with, um, will largely drive uh, which standard or standards to align with. Um, and so what we see oftentimes is that a company is choosing to align with two or more um, standards uh, so that they're able to effectively communicate with all these different stakeholders that we talked about. So typically there's some sort of a financial stakeholder involved and so, uh, a company is going to want to align with SASB or another financial stakeholder focused standard or framework, but then they may also choose to align with GRI um, because of the broader uh, set of stakeholders um, that, that aligning with the GRI framework will, uh, will enable. Uh, and they might also, in that example, align with TCFD because largely aligned with SASB in the first place. Um, so a very natural thing to also to assimilate to that. Exactly. Yeah. They're, they've both come out and said they're, they're aligned with one another. So it's very simple um, in, in large part to, to align with both. That's the typical story is that it's not alignment with one, but it's aligning with multiple uh, in order to um, communicate effectively with the different stakeholder groups that are out there. Yeah. So I imagine from like a report 
reporting perspective, if you're having to kind of pull from several different frameworks, it creates a lot of challenges. I know you guys work with clients that are obviously, you know, moving forward with their ESG strategies and helping to streamline that reporting. Have we seen like consolidation in the space? You've mentioned, you know, a couple of the frameworks are aligned, but like there's still so much like diversity and fragmented guidance out there. Like what's the kind of the path forward to kind of bring this all under like a more consolidated umbrella for for companies that are really trying to, you know, delve into their ESG. Yeah, um, and we, we've talked about this a little bit as well, but but yes, very much uh, a confusing landscape when you have all these different standard setters and frameworks that are out there. So there's real or there's perceived at a minimum uh, fragmentation in the ESG reporting landscape. Um, but we are seeing, and you referenced this, but we are seeing kind of consolidation in terms of those standards, especially most recently with um, kind of the announcement that, um, that Fabian referenced, um, you know, the IFRS Foundation last year, creating the ISSB. And then this year, the announcement, the ISSB is going to consolidate SASB and going to consolidate the CDSB. Um, and really, instead of creating all new standards uh, under the ISSB, really incorporate those existing standards there uh, should be very important and helpful to companies that are already kind of they're already kind of along the journey of, of adopting these standards and, um, and maturing their, their processes around these standards. Um, so Hopefully through this, there's very little switching costs and, and companies are able to really leverage and lean into uh, these more consistent, um, ultimately comparable standards through the consolidation that's currently happening. All right, Robbie, for this next question, I need you to take out your crystal ball, look into the future <laughs> and tell our listeners what's next for ESG. I know the SEC has kind of shown some interest in ESG and formalizing some of its requirements. So can you predict the future? I'll try. Um, so, uh, so tons of movement uh, on the ESG front uh, within the past few months, even uh, with the SEC. So, uh, I'll start though, kind of last year. So, last year, uh, really, the SEC started to ramp up their their focus on climate related disclosures and issues. Creation of a new task force focused on ESG uh, and just climate issues generally. Companies started to incorporate uh, discussion in their 10Ks around human capital. Um, for right now, that's still um, very kind of high level and um, kind of principles focused, um, but could potentially see that change in the future as well. Um, and the biggest news uh, this year uh, is the SEC just released their proposed uh, climate-related disclosure uh, requirements just in the last in the last week. And so um, that's obviously huge news. So that's very likely needs its own episode um, here in order to really unpack or, or some other medium to unpack all the different things that are part of that announcement. Um, but just just quickly, just to kind of hit on some of the high points. So uh, the new SEC proposed rule, which going through a comment period right now, um, so we should know kind of May 20th or so, um, well, I guess we won't know, but the comment period will kind of close around then. So the biggest things just to kind of mention here uh, is that the proposed rule requires uh, scope one and scope two disclosures, um, and as well as those disclosures to be assured. Um, so that's that's significant, the scope one and scope two emissions. Uh, we haven't unpacked really what those are just yet, but we'll do that in a, in a future episode. Additionally, accelerated filers um, and large accelerated filers uh, would, would be also be required to disclose scope three emissions um, if they're material um, or if the company has set targets uh, that include scope three. And so uh, that's significant as well. Scope three, I guess a good point to, to reference here as well is that scope three emissions wouldn't 
be required to be um, assured. That's an important point uh, to reference as well. Uh, in addition to some of these kind of quantitative scope one, scope two, scope three disclosures that are part of the proposed rule, um, a number of other qualitative disclosures um, also required. Um, really uh, a focus on providing information on governance and oversight associated with uh, your climate risks, um, showing that there's oversight by your board, by um, your management team, uh, that, that type of oversight uh, and disclosure around that information is also included. Other quantitative disclosures, uh, also around kind of impacts to financial statement line items, climate-related risks and the impacts from those to your specific line items. Uh, so that's uh, another significant disclosure requirement as part of the proposed rule. So again, that's a very brief uh, and not all-inclusive kind of summary of some of the things that are part of the proposed rule, uh, but, but more to come to really unpack all of that and, and help um, everyone understand what all is included there. Yeah, you're leaving little breadcrumbs for people to <laughs> yeah. come back to our next episode. And likely could be subject to change, right? Yeah. Obviously, yeah. the comment period is there for a reason. So, like any good mini series, we'll leave you with a cliffhanger. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you guys have practical experience implementing this for clients. So, it might be really helpful to talk through just really practically when trying to take on this challenge and implement what are some things organizations should consider before moving forward with their ESG efforts? Yeah, so from a, an implementation consideration perspective, uh, again, probably a topic that deserves its own kind of episode or, or group of content, because um, there's a lot to say about it. Mm -hmm. um, but in terms of a starting point, it's really critical that you have an appropriate strong tone at the top. Um, the correct tone from your board, from your management team, um, because that's really going to drive uh, the importance throughout the organization and ensuring that it's getting ESG is getting the attention that it needs um, throughout the organization. So, um, so I think that's the place to start. Yeah, the, uh, the G's got to drive the S and the E. So. That's right. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> I like that. Um, and so, uh, but beyond that, beyond the tone at the top, I would just say uh, really getting your arms around the different um, disclosures that you think are going to be important, or not even just disclosures, but just the different um, ESG initiatives, ESG focus areas that are important to your stakeholders, getting your arms around what those are, uh, and then understanding what the different data points that you're going to need to capture in order to um, get your arms around where you stand in those areas. And so uh, really that's that's the other critical thing I, I would say in terms of the starting point. So really tone at the top, thinking about uh, what data points are critical to telling your ESG story. Yeah, and I just want to add to Robbie's point a little bit. Uh, another thing I strongly consider, uh, could, uh, encourage companies to consider is the data gathering considerations, right? Thinking about data gathering on the front end is going to save you a lot of time in the mm -hmm. long haul. Uh, you want to ensure you have all the available data to be able to report on the metrics that you're interested in reporting on, um, whether these are HR related, like diversity, governance related, uh, like suppliers or board of director metrics, or even emissions related where you have to deal with your operations. So you wanna think about this on the front end uh, to make sure you, you have all the information and possibly even all systems necessary uh, to readily uh, gather this data. Uh, with that, I also wanna encourage companies to consider all the internal parties that come into play, right? Your HR department, it could be your legal department, your operations department, supply chain, and maybe other departments within your entity that you're gonna have to work very closely with to be able to gather this information. Uh, lastly, I want to encourage companies to dive into what's important to the company as a whole when it comes to ESG and seeing how that aligns with 
what is important to their stakeholders, right? So stakeholders may have a, a very heavy focus on social, but you mm -hmm. might focus a little bit more on environmental. So the way you want to establish your reporting is you want to look at how those two parallel to the, each other and then uh, go from it, uh, go towards it from that angle. Um, and then one thing to consider when doing this is potentially establishing some sort of matrix, uh, seeing how uh, you can question your stakeholders on what's important to them and compare it to what's important to you. Uh, and again, this, uh, this doesn't only include investors, this uh, also includes customers and, and even employees, right? Um, you wanna give them all that sustainability data. Awesome, well, I think that's a great place to end this introduction a good high level approach and we want to leave a little bit of mystery so people come back for the next episodes. Uh, thank you guys for giving us a pulse on the ESG and helping us start to understand what this means. I'm really looking forward to learning more about each of the different components in the following episodes. So thank you guys for coming and thank you to our listeners for following along on another episode of Accounting Matters. We hope you'll join us for the rest of this mini series. This podcast is for general informational purposes only. Embark makes no representation or warranty as to the accuracy or completeness of the information contained in the podcast series, and it should not be used as a substitute for consultation with professional advisors. Information discussed in our podcast may also be superseded by new guidance or as new interpretations emerge. Listeners are cautioned to carefully evaluate any relevant subsequent authoritative guidance issued.